Today, I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Craig Douglas to our podcast, The Principalship, The Worst Job I Ever Loved. That title, Craig, always makes me chuckle a little bit just because um, there's so much truth to that story. (laughs) Indeed, you're right. And and I got to say, the podcast you've done, Sherry, with all of our colleagues, they're they're just excellent. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. To me, this is... uh, this is a, a calling for our work because we see so many people who are uh, leaving the profession or looking for new opportunities because um, it's hard. It's it's really hard work and it takes a toll on you and people are um, facing challenges alone. And so my hope is that our podcasts give them support and maybe help them realize that they're not alone in the challenges they're facing others have faced and can help them with. You're right. And and they are so needed right now. So needed uh, in the field. Uh, I, I work with principals daily and they are doing great work and are so valued by their teaching staff, uh, their students, a uh, quick story about Bay City Central. A couple weeks ago, they, they won a terrific game almost at the last minute. I was not at the game, but I read reports on it. And the young man that scored the two-point conversion to put Bay City Central ahead ran to his principal, Tim Marciniak, and gave him a big bear hug. Oh, that's so cool. how, how many people have that opportunity, Sherry? I mean, it, the principal is in such a unique situation today, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and that's an awesome story to hear from a secondary perspective, because I have this opinion that, you know, in the elementary school, kids are much more um, free with their emotions and free to connect with their teachers or their principal and bring them a flower, give them a hug you know, say kind things to them. And then also they're in a system for longer. So if you're a first grade teacher, you get to watch uh, little Billy and Susie kind of grow up and find success academically within those those years that they're there. And I, I've all, often thought having been a secondary person that my kids would leave. And I, I didn't necessarily know that things worked out well for them or that there was reward to the work I was doing. And so it really had to be intrinsic. And I had to really know that in the moment I was doing the best I could for those students. And over time, they would grow and change. And so just the idea that he went to hug his principal was that reward that's uh, extrinsic that we don't often see. So that's exciting. And and you're quite right. I think it's much more visible in elementary. Um, There's something about the Adolescent and as they age, there's kind of a disconnect in terms of showing some of that connectivity as they morph into middle and high school ages. But I will tell you as a retiree, Sherry, I've had so many former students of mine that have circled back to me, either in person, I'll bump into them at say grocery shopping, or it may be online, uh, a Facebook, connectivity. 
uh, a story from last year. Uh, I, I went to one of our schools that we're assigned to the very first day. And of course, I'm like a new kid at, at school, right? I don't know where to park. I don't know what to expect. I go in and here is this faculty meeting them going to a, a join. And one of the teachers said, oh, my gosh, it's my old principal. <laughs> and here is a teacher working at Washington Elementary who was a student when I was principal at Lakers. Awesome. So that connectivity uh, does surface time to time, whether it's the running back that bear hugs his principal or the teacher who remembers her old principal back when she was in high school. It does surface even for us secondary school principals. Yeah, it's not why we do it, but it underscores the value the value that we had in those kids' lives back in the day. And, and I think about, you know, to highlight how that connects with our, our podcast, uh, really is this idea that if you're early to mid-career, those attaboys from your students are going to be few and far between. And so uh, just know and have faith that you're doing the good work. And, and in the it's the long game on that one. It's the long exactly. game. Exactly. I'm going to circle back to you are so needed as a principal today in this era, you know, post pandemic with all the challenges we have. And I think the mandates are going to ramp up from both state and federal governmental levels. And the principal is the gatekeeper on all those mandates. So your, your need is clear and you're right. The rewards may or may not surface immediately, but they will ultimately. So, Craig, uh, one of the things I like to talk about um, on the podcast when we're interviewing um, our coaching team who've been school leaders is uh, really what was the hardest time you ever had or the roughest thing you ever experienced as a school principal? Um, and how did that impact or, or, or change your leadership or your person? And just tell us a little bit about that. Assistant principalship, my first role. Oscoda High School, when Wordsmith Air Force Base was still robust and operational. We had 913 students in the high school and the principal was brand new and I was a brand new assistant principal. And our mandate was to go in and to restore some expectations of proper student conduct. In other words, to kind of lay the law down. And the and you can imagine that that was full of uh, pushback from students, uh, from parents, and it taught me uh, resilience, Sherry. I, I many times were challenged. Uh, the, the worst, the worst possibly was uh, late in the autumn of that first year, uh, three o'clock in the morning, I could hear a car and I looked out my, my back window of my bedroom and here was a kid backing over my kid's swing set. Oh my gosh. That was a real low point, obviously. And I couldn't understand that kid's motivation. I couldn't understand really why that happened. And it, what it was basically now looking back with the you know, opportunity to reflect over many years, actually decades, the kid was just, he was upset. He didn't want to be told what to do. You know, that's kind of a natural phenomenon for adolescents. They, they, they want structure and rules, but yet they don't want to be told what to do, right? It's kind of a paradox. But I was taught resilience, and, and I was shown support. Uh, the, the very next day, this happened on a 
late, late Saturday night. So that Monday morning, the superintendent called me in. He had heard of the incident and assured me that he would support me, that if I wanted to prosecute, that that's, that's what I should do. And it gave me confidence that by being resilient, I could work through that challenge. And it did work out. The kid apologized. He paid for the swing set. I ended up having uh, two very successful years at Oscoda before I moved on to a principalship in the thumb. But that lesson, it was a tough one, Sherry. I'm not going to kid you. You know, I thought, oh, my God, the world's ending. You know, I had left a mathematics position to take this assistant principalship. And I thought, what in the world have I done? You know, but it turned out to be a valuable life lesson. Yeah. And I've applied it many times, many different ways as I faced challenges. Uh, later, as I was a superintendent, you know, many times I was challenged and that resilience had to surface, right? That deep-seated faith. And the lesson that my superintendent taught me by showing support right out of the gate, I replicated many times with principals and teachers that I worked with that were facing maybe not that kind of traumatic challenge, but some sort of challenge that they felt was significant. So my, uh, one of the podcasts, I'm not sure about the exact order is called the skin of a rhinoceros. And I talk about exactly that idea that suddenly there are people, whether they be your former colleagues, uh, teachers or other administrators or community members, suddenly people see you as the enemy and in some cases, and that's really difficult pill to swallow when uh, you're, you're like me, I'm sure, you know, go in with good intentions, want to do the job to the best of our abilities and want to support kids. And, and I referred to a learning I had at that time that I had to get the skin of the, of a rhinoceros, which is thick and sensitive so that I could become resilient and not lose, um, sort of the personal kindness that I wanted to bring to the job. It's a very, very good analogy and I identify with it totally. I would also say that sometimes you just need to understand as a principal to not take it personally. Right. Now, it sounds kind of preachy and it, it sounds kind of superficial, but it's really a very, very tough challenge. And I, I wrestled with it, Sherry, because I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be likable. I wanted to be firm, fair, and friendly, all those things. I wanted to be, I wanted to be, I wanted to be. And yet there were times when the swing set got backed over by the kid. <laughs> and then I had to understand, all right, was it me or was it the role that I was I was fulfilling at that time? And almost every case, it was the role. Not that I was perfect, but more times than not, it wasn't me. It was the role that I was in. And I just had to have, like you you described, uh, a thick yet sensitive skin. And I think, Craig, when we can recognize, and this does sound like we're deflecting in some respect, but when we can recognize that those kind of experiences aren't about us, but rather about the trauma and the crises that people carry into and through life, and that we are in that moment, the place where that is unfolding. We are, I think I, I was a far more sensitive leader, recognizing that there was something troubling that those students, parents, teachers were experiencing that were perpetuating that those behaviors. Maybe the experience with me was the trigger, but I had to 
remain conscious enough to recognize that they were hurting. And it was about me helping and supporting them through that hurt. For me, it was it was a matter of role. I, I needed to fulfill that particular role. So if if I was an assistant principal or principal at a football game and a fight broke out hypothetically or whatever incident, I had to step into the role as the authoritarian figure and to deal with it. I couldn't I couldn't just kind of pretend like I didn't see it or like a normal fan might. I mean, I had to step into that role. Uh, a quick story, and this was when I was a superintendent, but one of the most traumatic calls I got was late in my career. Uh, my assistant principal, Sean Thalen, called me right to the start of the school day, and she goes in a kind of a low voice, Craig, we have a gun over here at the high school. And Sherry, my heart raced. I thought, oh my God, is it pointed at her? Was I mean, there was just no context for it. Right out of the blue, right? So at that point, I knew I had to fulfill a role. So I said to her, so fill, fill me in. Oh, everything's okay. The, the students uh, in the squad car, Officer, Officer Kellett's here. You know, I found that everything was pretty much handled I immediately went to the high school. I, I just felt like that was a role I needed to fulfill uh, because a, a gun in a school is like the worst, one of the worst, maybe the worst uh, calls that you can get uh, as a superintendent. And so I rallied to support both the assistant principal and the principal. We put forth a communication plan. In other words, we dealt with it. Why? Because that was the role I needed to fulfill and the role that the principal and assistant principal needed to fulfill. At the end of the day, I had three TV cameras that had been in my office and we informed the public of what happened. Full disclosure, it was painful as you know what, but it was the right thing to do. Why? Because that was the role we had to step into. We had to communicate to the to the parents and to the students the gist of what happened and how we handled it so they would maintain confidence in us. That was the role. Yeah. Yeah, definitely some difficult and challenging experiences that come with filling the role. Uh, so, so, Craig, what was the, the highlight? What was the highlight of your leadership experience as principal or superintendent and you know the thing that that really just kept you going every day or when you think back to the career you're like yeah that that was it so many sherry so many highlights and and the exciting thing about these jobs is no two days are alike you just never know and the other thing is i soon learned you might start the day off really really great and it could turn south quickly or vice versa it, it might start really really badly and it could it could flip and turn around uh highlights I, i'll just give you a, a couple of snippets in carlton football history we've had an up and down situation and we we had a really good season going in 2008 made the playoffs for the first time and in 2009 in the opener we opened on the road at my former school where I was a principal at Lakers. And so I drove all the way over to the thumb. We quickly got down in the score. Uh, I think we were down 20 to nothing at one point. Uh, I don't remember now, it's been too many years ago, but it was it was fairly late in the game. It looked bleak, Sherry, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, Carlton rallied and we ended up pulling out a one point victory 21-20. 
And I'm, I stood along the fence, the same fence I stood along as a principal. And here I was a superintendent. And, you know, I thought, wow, what a great game. And all those emotions running through your mind, right? And all at once, the football coach sent the football team over to where I was standing to say, hey, wasn't that a great game? And I had the opportunity for that shared experience. That was euphoric to me. I did not expect that. The coach didn't have to do that. It was it was so out of anything I expected to have happen. But that impulsive gratitude and that showing of mutual respect for me, showing the, the players. I mean, they knew I drove all the way over there. And for the players to show me, it was it was priceless. I wouldn't trade that moment in my life for anything. And that's just one of what I could say would be multiple opportunities that I had for unexpected gratitude, uh, unexpected rewards, whether it was the applicant to University of Michigan that I wrote a letter of recommendation for. And I will tell you, the applicant was probably a, a long shot because of a number of factors, but the applicant was, was accepted. And I would see that person periodically at football games and other events at school throughout her college career. And she, every time, would say, I, I so love University of Michigan. I really appreciate the letter you wrote, Dr. Douglas. All these things, which honestly, Sherry, she made it on her own merit, was very little what I had to do. But that shared experience and the shared gratitude and the shared respect, priceless, just yeah. priceless. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that struck me, Craig, as I was listening to that story is as the school leader, as a principal, as superintendent, uh, we have to, and you know, even in life, we have to look for those opportunities and and recognize them for what they are, you know, because the experience you had with that football team and be part of their win could have been a, yeah, great, thanks, good job, boys, right? Or it it really, you recognize the 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 intentionality behind the coach and the team to include you in that. And it's very powerful. So one, I think pay attention to those things is one of the messages I took away from them, from your story. And then two, that unintentional or that intentionality about gratitude and surprising those that we serve with the same is really important. And, you know, I know as building leaders, we, try to support our teachers in traditional ways of, you know, uh, I don't know, I, I would cook dinner during parent-teacher conference week, or I would have a little Christmas get-together at my house. And, and those things are all important and really um, valuable <clears throat> when it comes to building relationships and community. And what I hear you say, it's the opportunities that are unexpected that are really important and to a person's um, emotional connection to their career. And so when that student who, you know, doesn't put first their best, forth their best effort, does really well on the standardized test, send them to show the teacher the fruit of their labor or find those places where we can really lift up people's um, energy un unexpectedly. Absolutely right. And, and understanding that every student that we encounter has potential and trying to tap the, the potential and help them reach their full potential is a true 
opportunity that very, very few people can take advantage of. And there's nothing more rewarding, is there, of seeing that student that you see some opportunity for them and you kind of guide them in that direction and they just hit it out of the park and they're just so successful. There's just no greater reward than that. Yeah, Craig, I, I like that you mentioned helping people see their potential. I, I have this bias or this belief that as educators, it's our job to help every student reach their fullest potential. And I feel that when we when we miss that mark, we miss as a society uh, opportunities to leap forward because we don't know which student might cure cancer, which might find life on Mars, which might write the, the next most beautiful ballad that's ever been written. We don't know. And so it is our obligation and our job to make sure that every student has the right to live to their fullest potential so that we can all keep moving forward as a society. Absolutely, spot on. And, and I say many times, everyone grows up, but they grow up at different rates. Yeah. And so we have to be extremely patient. That's probably one of the worst characteristics I had early in my, my principalship experiences. I was very impatient. And I just had to learn over time to become patient and to just give time chance to pass and to nurture and grow within the limits of, of our context. And by being more patient, I think I became a more thoughtful leader. It's great advice. Be patient. Patient. Takes time. Can't You can't rush the soup. <laughs> well, you can't. Well, Craig, I just want to say thank you for your uh, insight and your service to students throughout your career. And now as an IEE coach, we are very thankful to have you on our team and excited about the messages that you shared in our podcast today. Well, thank you. I'm so honored that you you had me on. And, and I say of all the roles I fulfilled in my educational career, being a coach for IEE is absolutely at the top of that list. It is so rewarding and the work that we do is so wonderful. And now is the time. Now is the time to, to utilize the expertise that IEE has to offer because the challenges, they're not gonna diminish, they're going to amp up, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna to continue to be a struggle and be a little bit more of a struggle every day, but. We have great leaders in place. I have no doubt that we have the people who can do the jobs. I agree. Thanks, Sherry, so much. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Join us for our next episode of The Principalship, The Worst Job I Ever Loved. <laughs>